All right, so here we are. This is the part two of H.H. Holmes. H.H. Square or something. I'm not really good at math. Should that be H, H cubed? H cubed. <laughs> Triple H. <laughs> but before we get into all that, my name's Chris Dillon, Chris L. Dillon. And I'm Shane K. Witty. And how was your week, my man? Well, it was it was pretty good. When, you know, the last episode dropped, you and I decided to go have breakfast at a, a diner that we love. Mm-hmm. And I was really craving chicken fried steak. Yes. And they disappointed me. Did they? Yeah, it was weird. The gravy was sweet and salty at the same time. Hmm. Not good. I was, I was disappointed. Huh. Interesting. So, normally, normally Caps does better than that. Yes. Yes, they do. And, you know, I'm still going to go there. Well, yeah. You know, I'm not going to order that specific item. And maybe it was just a bad day for gravy. Maybe. I mean, I had the gravy because I had the steak biscuits. Yes. Which is biscuits and gravy. But then also they shave, like, ribeye steak onto that bad boy. And that was pretty good. But that it didn't sit well with me the rest of the day. <laughs> I mean, it's not the food was bad or anything. It's just, you know, I'm getting older. It's one of those things. Oh, yeah. No, it is. You're going to start going, man, I miss what an onion is like. Yeah. You're like, okay. You got to psych yourself up. You're cooking. You're like, I really want onion in this. All right, there's going to be some serious heartburn. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm starting, to, I'm starting to measure my age in pizza ability. <laughs> because back when I was a teenager, I could throw down a full, like, extra large pizza just by myself. No Chicago problem. Chicago style. Yeah. Like deep dish, stuffed crust, no problem. Then I could go like run around a mountain, like no problem. But now like I have to stop at like two moderate sized slices, and even then that's pushing it. <laughs> I better have some. I better have some tums on hand. There better People, be some Alka Seltzer in the house. Alka Seltzer in the house. Everybody's got to like leave for a bit because I'm, I'm going to need like full access to the bathroom. Yeah. So, yeah, my pizza ability is uh, pretty low compared to stage. No, I miss, no, I, miss <laughs> I miss being a teenager and being able to shove whatever the hell you wanted to eat. That was the best. And be like, oh, ah, oh, great. Knee pain, you old fart. <laughs> and then now I'm all, shit, I'm that old fart. <laughs> my knee hurts. <laughs> so is my elbow. And I don't know why, but my left pinky does. <laughs> What's going on with my toe? Why does it hurt when I stand up after I wake up? <laughs> but you weren't like attacked with an axe this week. No, 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 wasn't attacked with an axe. I uh, had breakfast with you uh, yeah. yesterday. I spent at a, a child's birthday party. Oh, awesome! Um, which is always fun when there's a lot of kids around. And yeah, it's funny. I'm glad I went to all those shows as you know a younger adult my hearing is crap now because i can only imagine if i had perfect hearing what would have happened yesterday <clears throat> yeah with these kids i oh i mean full on like monkeys on meth yeah they were like 
I mean, they all got along. It was great, and they're just being kids. But ooh, man, are they loud! Yeah, yeah, kids can get to screaming. That's for sure. But I had that, and then uh, other than that was oh, and then the the daughter's boyfriend came over for dinner last night. Oh, and he's like absolutely terrified of me. Yeah. And before anybody goes into the thing, like, well, you shouldn't be. Look, I'm not gonna like any of my children's partners, no matter what sex yeah, my children are, yeah. whatever sex their partner is. Yeah. Those are their decisions in their life for them. Mm-hmm. I how uh, however. I am going to be protective of my children. Sure. And, you know, when when you get older and you've been through a couple of relationships, you realize sometimes relationships, you know, hurt. Mm-hmm. And they hurt pretty good. And you don't ever want to see your kid hurt. So, oh. no, I'm sorry I'm not going to do a cartwheel the first time I meet you all. Yay. Oh, glitter bomb for you. Right. right. Here. Have a, cin- have a cinnamon roll. Yay. Yeah. yeah. You'll I'm, be a different person in a couple of months. Yeah. Especially, you know, at that age. Yeah. Like, today I'm a punk rocker. Yeah. Well, not even that. Like, they'll just be a different, like, a completely different person. Yeah. Like, you and, don't, it's not like, it's not like back in the day where, you know, you meet somebody when you're 15, 16, and then, like, that's your person. Forever. Forever and ever. Like, it doesn't no. work that way anymore. Very few. Very few. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Be like you're the love of my life, high school sweethearts. Yeah, we got married right after graduation. We took our diplomas to the chapel. Yep. Yeah, that doesn't happen. I mean, it happens, but it doesn't yeah. happen. But yeah. it does. It's not as romanticized as it was, you know. Well, hell, even when I was growing up. Yeah. Find that one, and you know, now if you're lucky enough to find that one, by all means, get yeah. on you. But, you know, for the most of the majority of us, no, we got to get your heart ripped out a few times. Yeah. And that's what I worry about because you never want to see your kids in pain. Sure, and, sure. You know. Well, that's the thing is when you're, you're like that age, you know, like you don't even know who you are. So, you know, you, as you're figuring that out, like people are going to revolve in and out. Yeah. Well, when people constantly talk about how they want to go back to high school, I'm like, oh, hell no. That was like the worst time in the world. Right. My hormones are all over the place. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm crying over things I shouldn't be crying about and laughing at things I shouldn't <laughs> be laughing about. Yep. Okay, I still kind of have that problem, but still. <laughs> yeah, me too. I'm still stuck in puberty. <laughs> right. It never ends. And how about you? How was your week? It was all right, I suppose. Nothing too too crazy. But kind of in line with what we were just talking about, because you did ask me before we started recording, because um, I have a bandage on my arm, and uh, there's not like a great story around it, but it does fit into what we were just talking about. Uh, in a new segment, I like to call, I should probably go to the doctor, but I won't because it's expensive as far as money and time goes, and then I'm getting old anyway, so who gives a damn? So, yeah, that's the name of the segment. It rolls off the tongue, I uh, think. Just totally. It, it flows. It flows. It flows like a mountain stream, <laughs> yeah. a babbling brook. Yeah. No, that's, <laughs> that's not going to be a regular segment. But, um, no, I. it's just a weird thing. Like I said, I should probably go to a doctor, but I probably won't. Um, 
there's a spot on my arm that for some reason, every four to six months, literally like a small little, like, like a quarter sized, like cluster of blisters just form just out of nowhere. And literally, I don't even know, I don't even notice it until I'm like in the shower and then I'm, I clean that spot and it's like, ow, oh, and then I look and then there's just like a cluster of blisters just chilling. And it's like on the certain, like blisters. Yeah. Not like a cyst or anything that's like under the skin. These are blisters. Yeah, they're blisters. The, okay. And they start off and they, now we're going to get gross. So they start off like really small. There's mm. literally like, I don't know, 20 of them all in the size of maybe about a quarter. And then I don't notice them at first, and then I clean the area, and then they all sort of turn into one big blister, or like three well, like, like, hey, larger ones. I'm a little blister. You're a little blister. You want to hang out? Oh, yeah. Let's, oh, hey. Oh, look. There's more of us over there. Yeah. So they fuse together, you know, Voltron style, <laughs> into sling, a couple sling, of big blisters, bang. which I then pop, and then uh, put some... Uh, a triple antibiotic on and wrap them up <laughs> and they hurt like a bastard for a couple of days and then they go away and it's only ever in the exact same spot mm. and like i said i should probably go to a doctor but i probably won't maybe it's that you're getting closer to full enlightenment and you're getting ready to spontaneously combust maybe. but you're not all the way there but you're bubbling. You're simmering before the boil. <laughs> right? <laughs> Somehow I managed to just stop it before it gets too bad. Yeah, I don't know. It's it's weird, but like it doesn't bother me that much. And I have absolutely no idea why it happens. It's not like I'm putting my arm like that specific spot on some sort of irritant constantly or something. It just kind of spontaneously happens. And I just attribute it to I'm getting older. And weird stuff happens. Yeah, it does. You start getting hair in your ears. Yeah. Your hair grows wherever you don't want it to grow as opposed to on your head. Yeah. You yeah. never lose it. It just moves. Yeah. It's like, oh, I'm tired of being up on top floor. I need something lower. Right. <laughs> I don't have that problem personally. I think that's my Asian-ness. But um, it's getting thinner. Mm -hmm. So, you know, good times. Getting older. All right. All right. So there was that. Um, I did finish that TV show because I didn't even realize that it's actually a really short TV. That Channel Zero that I talked about last time, mm -hmm. it was only like eight episodes. And so I watched the other six. And the show turned out pretty good. Yeah. It wasn't like overtly scary, but it definitely was creepy as shit. And mm. it had a very like it vibe to it. So if you're like, you know, chopping to the bit for that new it movie that's coming out. Like, you could probably seat yourself by watching Channel Zero um, until that movie comes out, which I hear is Bruce Curry. Well, we'll find out. I'm, yeah. I don't know. I'll That's wait for it. Anyway. Oh, and I battled a troll pretty intensively on the social medias. Oh, yeah, I did see that. That was yeah, pretty good. That was that was fun. Just some rando on Facebook? Some, yeah, just some <laughs> random dude on Facebook. Wanted to, you know, make his point, and he had his, you know, he had his vocabulary toilet paper word of the day, and he tried to use big words constantly, and I was like, yep. great, you have a vocabulary. I'm not intimidated by vocabulary. I'm sorry. I'm yeah. just not. I'm sure, like, 
as if we were going to know that he's got thesaurus.com like opened oh, up in like, another I, tab. I was like a dude is like he's <laughs> there dressed like Dr. Evil from Austin Powers. He's got one computer looking up, you know, looking up uh, his argument. <laughs> then he's over the on this one typing the argument verbatim. I mean, it's just so condescending, too. Yep. I'm like, oh, oh, God. Mm. I hope somebody burns you with a cigarette in your eye <laughs> and removes your nipples with a spoon. <laughs> yeah, that was pretty. That was pretty crazy. It like topped over like 200 comments. No, no, we don't I think it got almost to 300, if not over 300. And that was mainly just you and him. Ah, oh, for a joke. <laughs> for a joke because I posted a picture of a Mexican boxer who l- literally is as white as me. Sure. And, you know, Canelo Al- Alvarez. He's an amazing boxer. Yeah. And all I was doing was poking fun at, you know, when you look like me, white people tell you the most racist things because they think that you're in that boat with them. Right. And I was just saying you know, here's a Mexican fighter. Be careful who you be careful who you spew your racist shit to. Sure. And he took a fet, uh, offense that I put white folk, right, or white people. And Mexicans aren't a race. And Mexicans aren't a race. They're um, they're a, um, it's a nation. Yeah, it's a nationality. It's a nationality, not a. And I was like, uh, okay, well, yeah, you're right on half of that, and I'm right on the other half of that, so fucking eat a dick. You know, yeah, but it just kind of boiled down to a very flawed idea that it's like, oh, well, Mexicans aren't a race, so therefore you can't be racist against Mexicans? Yes. What? <laughs> yeah. No, that, that was his point. You can't be <laughs> racist against Mexicans because Mexicans are a nationality. Yeah, <laughs> well, this is kind of weird. You could be bigoted to them. I'm like, oh, my God. I was like, when when white people think of Mexicans, okay, yeah. we're not uh, going. Oh, you know that that um, that country to the south of us that is a diverse and ethnic as as America is. Right. They don't think that. They think of brown people. Yeah. And that's all I was trying to point out. Yeah. And he didn't, of course, no, because you know he read a book one day, and now he's you know just arguing semantics. Yeah. That's all it is. You know. But it's, you know, and I, uh, I didn't want to get too, I didn't really want to get into it, but it made me think also of, like, Louis C.K., who, yeah, was, yeah. he's a Mexican. Mm, he was born in Mexican. Mexico, and he has Mexican citizenship, he speaks Spanish, he's a Mexican. Mm. And, uh, yeah, same kind of thing. Yeah. And like, then, no one would ever think of that. No, everyone's going to think, oh, some Irish guy from Boston, you know? Yeah. And same thing, if you just saw this boxer, yeah. you'd be like, oh... Oh, that's Louis C.K.'s younger brother, boxer out of Boston, right? And, you know, right. they're like, no. <laughs> it's like, you know, geez. And I was like. Well, and the thing is, and here's, here's a 10-cent history lesson, and I'm sure people will sit there and correct me and all that kind of stuff, but uh, the basics is true is that the thing is, is that in, in southern New Mexico and also in Mexico, there's a lot of Irish blood. Mm-hmm. going on because during the Mexican-American War, a lot of the Irish came and fought with the Mexicans. Yeah, they're like, oh, you're Catholic too? Sweet. You know, we're getting treated like crap up here in the States. Yeah, yeah. So they they defected over. 
So that's why you find a lot of Mexicans, especially in southern New Mexico and New Mexico, who are who are who look you know straight out of Ireland, like like they jumped off of a Lucky Charms box in Mexico. So, well, you know, and, and and like I said, I'm sure people are going to be like, oh, well, then there's this and this, and there's all kinds of depths and layers to that, and, and all that kind of stuff. But uh, overall, yeah, there's a lot of Irish going on in Mexico. Because the Irish are basically the Mexicans of Europe anyway. Yeah. But, so, so um, Chicago, 1893. Chicago. Yes, so now here we are. We're, we're back on H.H. H. Holmes, America's first serial killer. The devil in the white city. The, <laughs> ma- the, man, the man with the mustache. The killer mustache, literally. It had knives in it. <laughs> so last week we talked about the murder castle and how he just killed everybody just everyone he could um during the world's fair the Columbian exposition but this week we're going to talk about kind of what went on after and i'm going to kind of let you take a little bit of the reins on this because i feel like you're maybe probably a little more researched than i am so all right so the world fair ends and okay. you know, the cost of building the murder castle, he's got all these creditors coming after him. Because like it was we, as we said last week, he let you work on a certain section of the, of the castle, mm-hmm. and then he'd fire your ass and not pay you. Right, he'd come <laughs> up with some reason that you messed up. Yeah. And, and, fire you. and then he bought like everything inside on credit yes. that he never... Never paid. Never even planned on paying. So... Because not only murder was his fav- one of his favorite things to do, but also insurance scams. insurance scams and fraud in general. Okay. Yeah. So the Colombian Exposition ends. And now he has to flee. Right. Because there's not all because people are leaving Chicago. There's not all these kind of people for him to prey upon. Creditors and- are knocking on his door. And he's he's not making nearly as much money as he was. No. You know, I mean, and I don't know what he was spending the money on. Maybe mustache wax. Mustache wax is, I mean, pretty big. Some tonics. Well, I mean, he did employ people. He was, I mean, he was paying people that worked for him, like in his shops and things like that. And one of the, and a person that we did mention last time, but we didn't really get into, was a man by the name of Benjamin Peitzel who yes. I personally like to call the ghoul of the murder house because Peitzel uh, started working for H.H. Uh, H. Holmes pretty early on in Chicago. And it seems to me, and like I said, I'm not quite as researched as you are, but from what I understand is he was pretty aware of what was going on. He was not stupid. He at least knew about the fraud, but I mean... If you're working for a guy and you're considered the right-hand man, you're going to know about the trap door and the soundproof of asbestos rooms. <laughs> yeah, I think that he was probably the only person that started asking questions about all the skeletons that uh, uh, Holmes kept producing. Mm. But he, uh, he was a family man. He had mm. children and a mm. wife, and he needed to take care of them. So he seemed to sort of turn a blind eye to whatever Holmes was doing, because Holmes was probably paying him pretty well. Oh, yeah. And he was basically doing, like, <coughs> a lot of the, like, dirty work. 
And so Benjamin Peitzel, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. This is where things start getting really interesting, you know. I mean, this is where you start seeing the insurance scams start going through the roof. So as we know that he had pulled these insurance scams pretty good, you know. He'd get a person to take out life insurance, make him the benefactor, and then um, fake the death, sometimes using a cadaver mm-hmm. uh, of somebody else, and then split the money with the person that faked their own death. Right, okay. So that's something, so, so he, he did that as well, not just get them to sign over everything and then actually just straight up murder them? Well, no, and he did do that on occasion. Right. And so he did one both. Of them, yes, one of them was with his associate, Benjamin Peitzel. He gets Peitzel to take out a $10,000 life insurance policy. Which is a lot of money back then. A lot of money. And we'll touch on that in a little bit. We will. And... Peitzel was a family man. He was married. He had five children. Mm-hmm. So they set up this scam. This is after they leave Chicago. Okay. And what he does is he gets Peitzel to do it, to sign the documents and stuff, you know, making him the benefactor. And that, right, and that was like in a whole other state or something. Yeah, it was right? in like, St. Louis, I believe. So in Missouri, I guess, would be the state. Because yeah. after after basically cl- like leaving the murder house in Chicago, he like he's taking the show on the road. Yeah. Okay. So he goes to Texas for a bit. He's in some trouble. Oh, back to the Peitzel thing. He so Peitzel does it, and he and. H.H. H. Holmes goes, I'm not going to go through the problem. You know, trying to get a cadaver is so bad. And why would I want to give him $5,000? So he kills Peitzel. Yeah, he's just like, this just be way easier. I'll just kill Peitzel. And he, set, he hits him with chloroform and sets him on fire. Right? You know, as, as things happen back you know, in the late 1890s. Just... Anyhow, it's just, and so he ends up taking three of the five kids from the now widowed Peitzel. Right, because now he has, like, Peitzel's family to deal with. Yeah, because they're going to start going, where's dad? Yeah. He never misses Sunday roast beef night or whatever. Right. But for whatever silly-ass reason, he takes three of the kids. Yeah, he's promising them to, like, you know, you get them in good schools. And the widow is like, okay. Right. Well, he ends up confessing later on that, you know, he killed those three kids. Right. Yeah, wasn't it something he put them, like, in a box or something? And, like... Well, it's just it's it's ins- it's absolute insanity to me that one I don't if I barely know somebody I mean maybe she had a better relationship with them but you're not taking my kids to the freaking park much less on a train ride <laughs> right <laughs> like no right 
Well, yeah, I mean, it kind of reminds me of, um, and I'm sure we'll probably do an episode on him, um, too, eventually, but, like, Albert Fish, which was, like, early 1900s, and it was the same sort of thing. Like, one of his most famous was that he just showed up at somebody's house, hung out with them, and, like, had dinner and all this stuff, and was like, oh, I'm going to a party tomorrow. Can I take your like eight-year-old daughter with me and they were like yeah sure no problem <laughs> and then she of course didn't come back shocking yeah but yeah i don't know different time i guess like who just randomly lets their kids go well i mean it's not like holmes was a stranger to the family yeah because feitzel did work for him for a while but still yeah so he takes the three kids right uh-huh Alice, Nellie, and Howard. All right. Strong 1800 names. Very strong. The funny thing is, is it took him a year to find the bodies. So this all happens in 1894. Okay. And it was Detective Frank Geyer. Okay. So the first one was Alice, and she was murdered in Toronto. Okay. Because he's taking them all on, like, just train rides everywhere. Yeah, hey, kids, let's see the world. It's like, you know, taking the little train at the zoo or whatever. Right. You know? Right. No, he's taking them to Toronto, not over to the orangutan park, you know? I don't want to walk all the way from the elephants to where the fish are. Uh, get on the train, kids. Right. That's one thing. Right. I'm going to take your kids cross-country. Right. Oh, I'm even going to take them out of the country. So right. Alice is murdered in, um, in Toronto. Okay. And as was... Uh, he, when he killed her... And then he, um, sorry, my notes are a little bit of a mess. Okay. So he kills them in Toronto. Oh, he kills all three in Toronto? Yes. Okay. But then they find uh Two of theirs, from what I can gather from what I researched, was they found the two bodies of the girls in a house in, that he rented in Toronto. Mm-hmm. Ben, or Howard, however, his remains were found in Indianapolis. Okay. So, you know, I didn't really get into the nuance of what the hell was happening. I'm guessing there was a trunk involved. Right, yeah. I think I read the, something about that where they, he just like stuck it. He's like, hey, get in the trunk. Yeah. And then he just left him there. Well, that would make sense. Right. So, Double H gets, uh, he ends up doing some prison time. Okay. In Texas. And what did he do prison time for in Texas? Insurance fraud. Oh, insurance fraud. Okay. Yeah. He wasn't very good at it. Right. I mean, he, like, had some success, but from what I can tell, he was constantly having to run from him, 
Other insurance companies just outright refuse to pay. They're all, no, uh-uh, you again? <laughs> <laughs> wow, you must be a great, a great Samaritan in your neighborhood for all these people to trust you with handling their finances and their, uh, for their families once they're gone, and then they're gone. No, <laughs> we're not paying you. <laughs> Sorry. Maybe next time. Okay. All right. So he's doing time in uh, or in Texas. Okay. Now is this after and when he's doing time in Texas? Has he already killed Feitzel? Yes. Okay. And the children. Yes. But nobody knows about that yet. Yes. Okay. Or maybe it was right before. So he he flees, mm -hmm. and one of the things is that so he asks his cellmate, "Hey, you know a lawyer that'll work with me on this insurance scam that I'm going on?" Uh huh. He's like, "If you give me a good name, I I promise you five hundred dollars." Okay. I will pay you five hundred dollars for the information of hooking me up with a lawyer. And so this guy's name is Marion Hedgepeth. Right. It totally sounds like a character <laughs> out of some, like, British, you know, school movie, you know, for boys. Right. Oh, Marion Hedgepeth. <laughs> Harry Potter or something. Right. Nobody names, nobody names boys Marion anymore. Mm. No. Uh, yeah, it's true. They don't. Or Leslie. Leslie was actually a boy's name. And Ashley, for that matter. Yeah. But, yeah. Because John Wayne was a Marion. Yep. Before he and was And that was John the Wayne. Duke. Right. <laughs> <laughs> He's the last Marion I'm aware of. Male Marion, anyway. So, Holmes never pays up. Of course. And he was there for stealing a horse in Texas. Or, the Texas authorities had uh, a warrant out for his arrest. Right. For stealing a horse, he was going under the uh, he was going under the uh, alias Howard, H.H. Mm. H. Howard. Oh, okay. Smooth. So yeah, Marion gets a little mad because you know five hundred dollars, pretty significant chunk of cash back then. Yeah, a lot. And, you know, a lot of money. And he was a he was a train robber, so he doesn't do that. So, Holmes gets scared about being sent back to Texas. Mm -hmm. And he is quoted as saying, because the punishment would be rough and ready. Rough and ready. You steal a horse in Texas. Hell, you do that today in Texas. There's probably some weird, cruel punishment that's awaiting you. Right. Well, my understanding mm -hmm. is, is that it's the Pinkertons that are looking for him. So, you know, and those guys... Mm -hmm. None, none, uh, n not the, the, not to be on the wrong side of the Pinkertons. Yeah, um, not, not a good idea. They always get their man. Right. So he quickly confessed to the insurance scam. Right. So he was in jail before he killed Peitzel. Mm -hmm. oh, he okay. got the lawyer, then he left, kills Peitzel, collects the money, 
never pays up. Mm-hmm. And then Marion starts singing. Okay. And he tells him what's going on. Mm-hmm. Well, Holmes was living in Philadelphia at this time. And he said that he he got the body. It was a fake body. Not a fake body, but it wasn't Peitzel. It was a cadaver that he got from a doctor oh. in New York that shipped it to him in a trunk. Oh, as you do. Yes. And, you know, but there was already full rigor mortis in the body. Mm-hmm. Meaning the person had died recently. So the inspector simply asked him what were the techniques Holmes had learned to stiffen a body after rigor mortis had been broken. Mm-hmm. And that's where he had no answer and was arrested. Now, one of the things with when it comes to H.H. Holmes is we don't really know how many people he killed. There's a, most people seem to say confirmed nine. Right. But he gave so many conflicting stories because this is the the era of William Randolph Hearst, you know, yellow journalism. Mm -hmm. Newspapers were paying for his stories. Right. And so, you know. <clears throat> yeah, I mean, I've seen nine, I've seen 27, I've, I've seen, seen 200. 200. Yeah, yeah it's, it's, it's insane. Yeah. And, um, and he gave a bunch of contradictory accounts of what he had done, which by that time, you know, the respectable journalists were pointing this out. And the yellow journalist quit paying him money. He made $7,500 selling his stories to Hearst alone. And that's, um, according to what I read, it's, that's about $215,000 right now. Yeah. Because I'm pretty sure he probably thought he was going to get out some way. You know, he's always slipped through the fingers of the law. Right. So I'm pretty sure he figured that he would. Sure. And, you know, he was arrested in Boston, brought back to Philadelphia, and that's where he was hung, was in Philadelphia. And my understanding of it is is that at one point while he was awaiting trial, they interviewed a former janitor at the murder castle. And that janitor basically said, oh, I was never allowed on the top floors. That was just something we just, I was just not allowed to do. So that's when they started investigating the building itself, and that's when they found out all the stuff that was built in there. And Those weren't body-sized shoots. The, they just had really plush beds there, and they needed a <laughs> not a body-sized shoot. Yeah. That, was, that was for, you know, to drop the laundry. Yeah, lots of laundry. Lots of laundry into yeah. an incinerator <laughs> or a chemical bath. <laughs> right. No, but once they once they actually get in there and they start find you know they find his his, his gas pipes and stretching racks and all his torture devices and all this kind of stuff, they start. It's still, I mean, yeah, it's still eighteen nineties, but they start putting two and two together. Well, wait a minute. No, that's not for stretching people. That's how I like 
make sure my sheets aren't wrinkled before we put them on the bed to service the customer. Um, I pump gas into rooms, not to asphyxiate people, no, 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 no. I don't do that when anybody's in the room. I just, I, I'm trying to asphyxiate the vermin. Yeah. This is Chicago, 1890. We got rats all over the place. Yeah, and it's, you know, and then you get the side benefit of it. It presses the sheets <laughs> while they're on the bed. Those aren't secret passageways. Those are service halls. So my customers don't have to run into the help in the hallway as they go visit the World Fair. Right, right. It's like a butler's entrance. <laughs> yeah, and I have no proof of this, but I'm going to go ahead and say this is a direct quote. And the detectives go, yeah, this is 1894 or 95, but I understand that, but we're not stupid. <laughs> That's a quote. Yeah. <laughs> that was the lead detective's <laughs> name. Yeah, lead detective's well, I mean, it's, it's, it's the 1890s. I mean, we're stupid. But we're not stupid. Yeah. We may be <laughs> stupid in 2017 terms because we have no idea what a hologram is. <laughs> what? Flight of the moon? You're crazy. Yep. A car? Yep. Yeah, no. Yeah, in that sense, yes. But 1894, they're like, you're not that much smarter than us. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> I know what a stretching rack and like scythes and stuff are. What you're doing with that crap? I've read the dime novels <laughs> about Frankenstein. So he ends up getting convicted for the murder of Benjamin Peitzel. And that's the only one that he actually was convicted of, right? That's who he was hanged for the murder of Peitzel. Yes. Okay. So that would be the so when was that? That was 1895, I believe, was when he was That's on. the end of H.H. H. Holmes. And as we talked about last time, there was some discussion about, well, maybe before Murder Castle, he might have been Jack the Ripper. Uh, and then there are also some people that believe that it was not H.H. H. Holmes who was hanged or buried, that maybe, just maybe, he managed to escape all that and then lived on a beach somewhere, presumably murdering Breaking news. Breaking news. Breaking news. I'm Chris L. Dillon, and I'm here with some, with some breaking news. Because last time we did talk about how they, they were planning on, or they had, uh, they had exhumed his body. Which, no small feat, because when he, he, when he was hanged, he asked specifically... That his body be buried like, in concrete, and, which they did. But recently, just because of all these questions that came up, they exhumed the body, cracked him out of the concrete, I guess. And was it just three days ago? They three, four days ago. Three, four days ago, they determined this is breaking news, exclusive. It's not exclusive. You can you can look. Yeah, you can up. totally you can like Google it. it. Yeah, <laughs> um, we got the inside track. <laughs> Our but informant, the Golden Google. They have their results. They've exhumed the body. Is it H.H. H. Holmes, Triple H, the devil in the white city? No. Yes. Yes, it is. It actually yeah. is. They didn't have <laughs> DNA evidence, but uh, they checked out his teeth, and they have determined that it is, in fact, 
H.H. H. Holmes that was hanged and then buried in concrete. That was him. So, and in an ironic twist, um, his great-grandchildren decided to sell his skeleton to the University of Michigan uh, Medical School. No, no, they didn't. <laughs> <laughs> that would be pretty good, though. I think that would be hilarious. That would be hilarious. But we did promise to kind of give an idea of what $500, $500. could get you. And this is in 1900. Yeah. And this have so this is 6 years after he he promised a man $500. Yeah, because so I got, just so happen to look here, yeah. I just so happen to have a reprint of the 1900 Sears Roebuck catalog. Yep. Fall 1900, the Sears Roebuck and Company Incorporated, cheapest supply house on earth, our trade reaches around the world. Consumer's Guide. So let's look at some of these prices. The kind of th- what you would expect to spend on some stuff. In especially, especially if you got a let. Let's go if you were getting out of prison. Okay. You, you're so you're an ex-con. Okay. You probably crossed some people, mm-hmm. either while in prison mm-hmm. or out of prison. But. And let's add the hypothetical that you're a, an aspiring musician, too. Oh, okay. So first things first, you're getting out of prison. And I'm guessing prison in the 1800s wasn't too pleasant. You probably had some tattered and torn clothes. Mm-hmm. You needed to get a new suit. New suit. Okay. First and thing you need to do when you get out of prison, you need to go get yourself a suit. Got to clean up, man. Yeah. That makes sense. Let's look that up here. How much would it cost... In 1900, let's just say that you got, let's, let's, let's alternative universe this. H.H. H. Holmes goes to prison, but gets out. He spends five years in prison. <clears throat> so he's getting out in 1900, fall 1900. Gonna need an overcoat, too. Gonna need an overcoat. What kind of suit are we? Are we looking for a wool suit? Are we looking for a silk suit? You'd probably want to go with a wool suit, being it it being fall, right? And it's a little bit more sturdy fabric, and it'll keep you warmer. Okay, let's see. Let's go. Let's go middle of the road here. Okay. All right. Uh. Let's see. Okay. Stanton's very finest, extra heavyweight, plain black, double diagonal, all wool, English worsted cloth suit. Now this includes the pants, the vest, and the overcoat. Uh, You're going to spend $17 for the entire suit. All right. Now you're dressed. You're dressed. Now you might. Now that need... was that was actually maybe that wasn't even maybe the middle of the road. That was that was kind of a high. end That was kind suit. of a high end suit right there. Yeah. So and now you can now you can hodgepodge with the high society, the falutins. Yeah, the falutin get, like, types. High falutin kind of stuff. Um, and this is like custom tailored. This isn't like off the rack kind of suit. It's not that hundred dollar suit you can get at Target. <laughs> nope. 
Yeah, and then let's say, okay, so you're going to need an overcoat. Uh, let's go, I'm just going to grab the first one I see here. Extra heavy, fine, black, Irish, freeze cloth, overcoat, two measure, which I'm assuming to mean is also tailored. tailored. Yeah. Eight bucks. Yep. Okay. Eight dollars. So now you've spent $23 and you're highfalutin. Highfalutin. You're going to need some personal protection. We talk, oh, we're talking, it's 1900. You can walk around. Yeah. You could have had a bazooka back then. Could have. Well, what are we going to have? Are we just going to do a revolver? Do a revolver. Do one revolver and one double barrel shotgun. All right. So let's just do the new model. Double action revolver. Full nickel plated. Yeah, you can pick one of those up for $1.75. You're going to need some bullets for that guy. How about a box of 50? 75 cents. Oh. All right. And then you said what else? And a double barrel shotgun. Double barrel shotgun. He's got that fine trench coat. Yeah, you can hide. You you can can totally hide a double barrel. Hide a double barrel. All right. Let's see. Double barrel shotgun. Oh, it's a, a Diana pattern breech loader. 12 gauge double barreled shotgun. You can get that guy for $13.55. Okay, so now we're at... What? And that's another middle of the road, because they have another one here. A little... Uh, not quite as uh, fancy. You can pick that up for $9.95. So right now, we're not even at $50. For a fine suit, an overcoat, a pistol, 50 bullets for that pistol, and a double-barrel shotgun. Yeah. You haven't even hit 50 bucks, And that's... Like, not being frugal. That's that's being spendy. Yeah. That's like, you know, that's pulling out the pimp wad. Check it out. $500. You ever see a paper dollar before? No, you haven't. Right. And then, you know, like, like you were saying before, I'm a musician. You know, maybe he learns, maybe he learned a little bit of the music uh, in, in prison. So maybe he needs to pick up a guitar. How about a guitar? Okay, we'll go with a guitar. You can get the troubadour, the guitar. An instrument of surprising quality and tone. $2.70 for a standard size troubadour guitar. But let's be a little more down home. Let's try out a banjo. I was I, I actually was interested in getting a banjo pretty recently. Well, I mean in the last couple of years. So I went and priced one out. Cheapest one I could find was about three hundred bucks. Um, but if it was uh, 1900 I could pick up a banjo for $1.75. That's for the cheapest banjo. Um, but if I wanted to go pro, an Acme professional banjo, the most expensive one, the Imperial. Man. The finest banjo, I hope very fine in tone. I hope their banjos are better than the, the supplies that Wiley Coyote always bought to try and <laughs> <laughs> catch well, the Well, it says here, the banjo is very fine in tone. Mm-hmm. Has a nickel-plated German silver rim, 11 inches in diameter. Mm-hmm. All kinds of good stuff lined with maple. This is the most expensive one, the Imperial. $25. That's if you're going out of control on your banjo playing. But you can get by with a $1.75 banjo. <laughs> banjo for $1.75. And then you looked up the hat price earlier, you know, for, for a good hat, and that was 
would you say 75 cents? 75 cents. You want a good like flat cap kind of thing, also known as a scally cap. I wear one almost every day. Uh, in uh, Ireland, where I bought mine, it cost me $75. Mm. Nigel Hunter could have got one for 75 cents. Man, inflation's bad. Um, so, I mean, you know, we kind of wrapped this one up. We were we were being a little silly. But that's why somebody got sold out for $500. I mean, I'm sure if any of you were promised $500 for information and didn't get paid that $500, you'd be miffed. Yeah, well, I mean, like, in, in today's money, I mean, it's like $5,000. Yeah. You know. Easily. <laughs> so, so you know, you, just flipping, just. But in nineteen uh, in nineteen hundred, five hundred dollars, you were set. Yep. Not for life, but it would definitely get you through the winter months. Sure. I mean, just just flipping through this book right here, I'm looking and and, and there's a whole section on on safes. Uh. You know, because uh, there was that one, one of his, one of Holmes's mistresses during the time of the murder house, he killed her by asking her to go into the safe. And then when she went in there to, to retrieve something for him, he just closed it behind her and just left her in there to die. So I, I happened upon this here, this page, the safe. You get a fireproof safe, right? Uh, this, this isn't one that like a, a, like a huge one you could walk into. But it's a it's a hundred pound safe fireproof for valuable something you'd maybe put in a wall or under a desk. And this is how they advertise it. Thousands of people rent boxes in safety deposit vaults and pay from five dollars to fifteen dollars a year as a safe place to hold valuable papers such as insurance policies, <laughs> deeds, receipts, contracts, etc. When they could by investing six dollars and twenty five cents have the same protection in their own home and save the annoyance of going to the deposit vault whenever it is necessary to consult the contents of the safe. This $6.25 safe is absolutely fireproof. It is nicely finished throughout, has a deep fireproof door, latest burglar-proof combination lock. Yep, $6.25 for a safe. Fireproof. So... Yeah, it's amazing. I mean, you could buy it. You could get a whole buggy, like a four-person, like wagon, for like thirty-five dollars in this catalog. Mm-hmm. And, and now man. you know why he was like, "Nope, you know what? You're gonna screw me out of that. I'm gonna screw you out of your freedom. Oh, and your life. That should have given me the five hundred bucks there, HH." <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, so that would be the end of H.H. Holmes, America's first serial killer. But seriously, if you guys go online right now, they uh, Rolling Stone has a huge article about what just happened with the, the exhuming of his body and the, you know, if this type of stuff interests you. Uh, yeah, definitely. I mean, obviously, you know, we're... We kind of, I mean... We're like we, the Cliff Notes version. Yeah, we're Cliff Notesing it. I mean, you could go in for Reed hours Macbeth. and hours on this stuff. What? Um, and they've got some garbage documentaries on, like, Netflix oh, and yes. YouTube you could watch. Oh. And, um, 
yeah, if it's something that interests you. And then also there's the book uh, The Devil in the White City, which came out uh, actually quite a while ago. Yeah. But that one's interesting because it has, because it talks about H.H. Uh, H. Holmes. It's called The Devil in the White City, but he's only maybe takes up maybe 25% of that book. Most of it's actually about like the, the, the creation of the Columbian Exposition, like the architecture and all this. So if that kind of interests you and H.H. H. Holmes interests you, check out that book which I understand is also being adapted into a movie um, with Martin Scorsese and Leonardo DiCaprio playing H.H. H. Holmes. Is Scorsese directing or? As far as I know. Okay. I mean, you know, Hollywood, that could change at any moment. Mm -hmm. But, um, you know, Scorsese and DiCaprio, they've, they've found each other in recent years and so that, that makes sense that they're doing that. So that, that's interesting. I'm looking forward to that. Um, Sounds like it would be a good there's, time. There's all kinds of resources online if the story of H.H. H. Holmes interests you. But, um, yeah, so that's, that's, that's... And even some of the crazier stuff is even fun to read, too. Yeah. You know, the conspiracy theories, you know. Yeah, all the conspiracy um, series, the, the Jack the Ripper stuff. The and, Jack the Ripper stuff, and, yeah. and being part of the occult. Yeah, I mean, you know, I don't buy into it, but it's definitely He fun used to take tea degree. with Aleister Crowley. Yeah. Something. After he died? Yeah. Yeah. No, that's... <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, um, this is going to be kind of... This is part two. It's probably maybe a little bit of a shorter episode, but... Um, yeah, like it's just sort of more of like a scope kind of uh, kind of thing that we're done here. And uh, next week we could preview next week. Yeah. So what are we gonna do next week? Well, I'm thinking we have to touch on nefarious underground civilizations, bunkers, things that they're keeping from the American people. Secret, secretive. Secret government bases. Underground. I know you're going to talk, I know you're planning on talking a little bit about that. Maybe something with some extraterrestrial. Yeah, some extraterrestrial. Um, it's actually a local story here in New Mexico. Coming back to New Mexico? Coming back to New Mexico. Um, I only like to leave for a little bit. I'm going to talk about uh, going a little, a little further north. The Denver airport which I found out recently is a subject of many uh, theories and conspiracy ideas and things like that. So we'll be back next week with that kind of stuff. And um, I hope you guys enjoyed it. Yeah, definitely. And uh, due diligence. So we have our Facebook page. You can go and uh, like us on there, follow us there. Where you can make sure to our new episodes and things that we may post, and that would be facebook.com slash the spooky podcast. Uh, come visit us there. And uh, whatever you're listening to this uh, episode on, or any of our episodes, whether it's iTunes, Stitcher, Podbean, whatever, be sure to. Uh, Triple Diorama. Yeah. Dot org net. Whatever it is, <laughs> make sure to hit that subscribe. I'm sure they have a subscribe button. So that's two clicks I'm asking for. Two clicks. One on Facebook, uh, like uh, or follow or whatever it is. And then I, I, in your podcast app, click on, there's probably something that says subscribe. So that when we have a new episode, we have a new episode every week. You'll just get that guy automatically every Friday on Spooky. The Spooky Podcast. See.
see you next week. I'm Shane Whitty. I'm Chris Dillon. Bye. Bye.